Section four of the Mysteries of London, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gray Clayton. The Mysteries of London, Volume three by George W. M. Reynolds. Section four. Chapter four. Esther de Medina let us now return to the interior of the police office the clerk was drawing up the bail bond the two securities were conversing in whispers with tom rain whom they had affected to greet when he descended from the dock as an old acquaintance and mr dykes was leaning gloomily against the partition which separated the magistrate's desk from the body of the court when the entrance of two persons produced a new sensation amongst the crowd one was an officer of the court the other was a lady closely veiled and enveloped in a cloak of rich material her form was tall and even though her entire frame was now convulsed with intense anguish as she passed amidst the gaping throng to the chair which lady hatfield had occupied two or three minutes previously yet that excess of grief and terror did not bow her down nor impair the graceful dignity of her gait the officer motioned her to seat herself an intimation which she evidently accepted with gratitude what is it bingham inquired the magistrate of the officer please your worship was the reply it's a serious charge and the prosecutor will be here in a moment very well said the magistrate i will take it directly who is she whispered dykes accosting his brother officer her name is esther de medina she tells me returned bingham the question and answer were overheard by tom rainford who was standing close by the officers and the announcement of the lady's name produced a strange and almost electrical effect upon him the devil me care recklessness of his manner suddenly disappeared and a sentiment of profound commiseration and deep interest in respect to esther de medina seemed to occupy his mind he was about to question mr bingham relative to the charge which he had against her when the clerk called upon him and his securities to sign the bond this ceremony was speedily performed and rain's money was returned to him by mr dykes who however looked at him in a manner which seemed to say i know i'm not mistaken in you although you have contrived to get off but i'll have you another time tom cared nothing for the sinister looks of the bow street officer neither did he pay much attention to the gold which he now poured back into his pocket for all his thoughts appeared to be absorbed in the presence of the veiled lady come along with us whispered bertinshaw and we'll celebrate your escape over a bottle of wine at my place no not now replied tom hastily i mean to stay and hear this case it interests me will you join us presently asked his new friend who had just now pretended to be a very old one yes yes answered tom in an hour or so bertinshaw and watkins took their departure now bingham cried the clerk what is it at that moment a gentleman of handsome appearance and middle age entered the court here's the prosecutor who will explain the matter said the officer the prisoner suddenly remembering the respect due to the bench raised her veil and at the same time she glanced in an eager inquiring manner towards the individual who now appeared against her 
but we must pause to describe her she was not more than eighteen years of age and surpassingly lovely her complexion was a clear transparent olive beneath which the delicate tinge of carnation was not entirely chased away from her cheeks by the terror and grief that now oppressed her her face was of the aquiline cast her forehead broad high and intelligent her nose curved but not too prominent in shape her mouth small with thin vermilion lips revealing teeth of pearly whiteness her chin sweetly rounded and her eyes large black and brilliant and never did more splendid orbs of light mirror the whole power of the soul or flash brighter glances from beneath richly fringed lids and then her brows were so delicately pencilled and so finely arched that they gave an air of dignity to that lovely that fascinating countenance her hair too was of the deepest black a black so intense that the raven's wing might not have compared with it silken and glossy the luxuriant mass was parted above the forehead and flowing in two shining bands one on each side of the face for which they appeared to form an ebony frame was gathered behind the ears in stature she was tall sylph-like and graceful her shoulders had that fine slope which the italian masters so much admired and with which they were delighted to endow the heroines of their pictures her waist was admirably proportioned and not rendered too thin by the unnatural art of tight lacing her hand was of exceeding beauty her feet and ankles were in perfect keeping with the exquisite symmetry of her form and her gestures were full of dignity and grace she was a jewess and if the most glorious beauty were honoured with a diadem then should esther de medina have become queen of the scattered race the moment she raised her veil all who could catch a glimpse of her countenance were struck with astonishment at the dazzling loveliness thus revealed and even the magistrate felt anxious to learn what misadventure could have placed so peerless a being within the gasp of justice her crime could scarcely be robbery for she was well dressed and had the appearance of belonging to even a wealthy family besides her face her eyes seemed to denote a conscious purity of soul in spite of the painful emotions which her present situation has excited within her bosom but the person who was most interested most astonished by the sudden revelation of that exquisite countenance was tom rain it was not with lustful desire that he surveyed her it was not with any unholy passion on the contrary it was with a sentiment of deep devotion and profound sympathy he also manifested extreme curiosity to learn upon what possible charge esther de medina could have been brought thither on her part she was evidently altogether unacquainted with the person of tom rain but as she cast a rapid and timid glance around her eyes lingered not upon him the middle-aged handsome-looking man who had just entered the office was now desired to state the grounds upon which esther de medina was in custody the witness deposed that his name was edward gordon and that he was a diamond merchant residing in arundel street strand on the thirty-first of october at about five o'clock in the evening a female called upon him and requested him to purchase of her a diamond ring which she produced 
he examined it by the light of the lamp burning in the apartment where he received her and finding that it was really a jewel of some value he offered her a price which he considered fair that sum was thirty guineas she endeavoured to obtain more but he did not consider himself justified in acceding to her wish finally she accepted his proposal received the amount left the ring and departed he went out immediately after carefully locking the door of the room having an engagement to dine with a friend he returned home late and did not enter that particular room until the following morning when he discovered that a set of diamonds which he remembered to have been lying in an open case upon the table at the time the female called on the preceding evening was missing he searched vainly in all parts of the room and at length came to the fixed conclusion that the female in question had stolen the diamonds he gave immediate information to bingham the officer together with an accurate description of the suspected person for she was upwards of twenty minutes with him on the evening of the thirty-first and he had therefore seen enough of her to know her again moreover added the prosecutor two clear days only have elapsed since the interview which took place between us and i appeal to your worship whether the countenance of the prisoner when once seen can be readily forgotten for painful as it is to accuse so young and interesting a person of such a crime my duty to society compels me to take this step and i have no hesitation in declaring that the prisoner is the female who sold me the ring a profound sigh escaped from the bosom of esther but she uttered not a word bingham the officer then proved that he called about half an hour previously upon mr gordon to inform him that he had vainly endeavoured to discover a clue to the supposed thief mr gordon was on the point of going out upon particular business and the officer in order not to detain him walked a part of the way in his company so that they might converse upon the subject of the robbery as they went along they were passing through lincoln's inn fields when they met the prisoner at the bar. mr gordon instantly recognized her and the officer took her into custody she manifested much indignation and said there must be some mistake but when the nature of the charge was stated to her she turned deadly pale and burst into tears rainford had listened to these statements with the deepest the most intense interest and his countenance underwent various changes especially while mr gordon was giving his evidence at one moment tom exhibited surprise then indignation and lastly the most unfeigned sorrow but suddenly an idea seemed to strike him for a minute did he reflect profoundly and then joy animated his features hastily quitting the court he hurried to the coffee-house opposite called for writing materials and penned the following letter november the third eighteen twenty six my lord esther de medina is at bow street accused of a crime which is alleged to have been committed at about five o'clock on the evening of the thirty first of october it is for you to prove her innocence delay not then an instant an unknown friend to esther throwing a shilling upon the table tom rain hurried away took a hackney coach to the nearest station and desired to be driven to the mansion of lord ellingham pall mall west a half guinea which he slipped into the coachman's hand as he entered the vehicle produced the desired effect 
for the horses were urged into a pace the rapidity of which seemed to astonish themselves as a proof of what they could do if they chose and in a very short time rainford leapt out of the door of his lordship's abode the nobleman was fortunately at home and tom rain delivered the letter to the servant who answered his summons then having desired the coachman to wait as he might have a fare back to bow street rainford hurried away at his utmost speed retracing his steps to the police office in the meantime the clerk had taken down the depositions of mr edward gordon and bingham while the most extraordinary sensation prevailed in the court the youth the loveliness the modest yet dignified appearance of esther de medina enlisted all sympathies in her favour and many a rude heart then present felt a pang at the idea of believing her to be guilty she had stood up when the prosecutor was called against her but when he reached that point in his evidence which mentioned the loss of his diamonds she clasped her hands convulsively together and trembling with agitation sank into the chair from which she had risen when the depositions were taken down the magistrate said prisoner you have heard the very serious charge against you have you anything to say in your defence and then she spoke for the first time since she had entered the court and though her words were delivered with impassioned emphasis the melodious tones of her voice sounded like a silver bell upon the ears of all present sir i am innocent i am innocent she exclaimed oh god knows that i am innocent the glance she darted from beneath her darkly fringed lids spoke even more eloquently than her words and every feature of her fine countenance seemed to bear testimony to the truth of her declaration would you not do well to send for your friends asked the magistrate in a kind tone these words seemed to touch her most acutely they summed up as it were all the painful features of her most distressing position oh my father my dear dear father she exclaimed her countenance expressing so much bitter bitter anguish that there was scarcely an unmoistened eye in the court your worship i do not wish to prosecute the case i am sorry i have gone so far said the diamond merchant wiping away the tears from his cheek for he was really a good-natured man it is not in my power to stay the proceedings replied sir walter ferguson the evidence is unfortunately strong against the prisoner she would do well to send for her friends let the case stand over for half an hour esther was accordingly conducted into the magistrate's private room where she was visited by the female searcher who endeavoured to persuade her with as much gentleness as she could command to mention the residence of her parents alas my mother has long been dead was the mournful reply and my poor father oh it would break his heart were he to know she checked herself and fell into a profound reverie despair expressed in her countenance during the remainder of the half-hour which intervened ere she was led back to the office she replied only in vague and unsatisfactory but not self-inculpating monosyllables to the questions addressed to her at length the female searcher gave her an indirect intimation that her punishment on trial would be more lenient if she admitted her guilt and expressed her contritions what she exclaimed with a recovering sob do you really deem me culpable 
of this most heinous charge my god have the christians no mercy no compassion oh i shouldn't speak thus to you but i know that our race is looked upon with suspicion we are prejudged because we are jews and yet she added in a different and prouder tone there are as noble sentiments as generous feelings as estimable qualities amongst the members of the scattered tribe as in the hearts of those christians who have persecuted our nation for centuries and centuries the woman to whom these words were addressed was astonished at the enthusiastic manner in which the beautiful jewess spoke for there was something at that moment sublimely interesting eloquently commanding about esther de medina as the rich colour glowed more deeply upon her cheeks the blue veins dilated on her proud forehead and the whole power of her soul seemed thrown into her magnificent eyes it was at this moment that the usher of the court entered to conduct the jewess back to the office once more she stood in the presence of the magistrate now no longer subdued and crushed with terror but nerved as he were by conscious innocence to meet the accusation brought against her tom rain had returned to the court and by mingling with the crowd of spectators anxiously watched the countenance of esther de medina prisoner said the magistrate have you anything now to offer in your defence or have you sent to communicate with your friends relative to the position in which you are now placed sir answered esther her soft and musical tones falling like a delicious harmony upon the ears i have but one word to utter in my defence and if i did not speak it when i first stood before you it was simply because this terrible accusation bursting so abruptly upon the head of an innocent person stupefied me deprived me of the power of collecting my ideas neither was it until within a moment of my return into the court that the fact which i am about to state flashed to my memory sir i was not in london from two o'clock on the afternoon until half-past ten at night on the thirty-first of october a gentle a very gentle smile played upon her vermilion lips as she uttered these words and it was during the interval which you named that the prosecutor was visited by the female whom he believed to have robbed him of his diamonds observed the magistrate i deny having visited the prosecutor at all answered esther in a firm but respectful tone i never sold him a ring i never sold an article of jewellery to a living being placed by the honest industry of my father above want she continued proudly i labour not under the necessity of parting with my jewellery to obtain money at this moment a fine tall handsome young man of about six-and-twenty years of age entered the court he was dressed in an elegant but unassuming manner his bearing was lofty without being proud and his fine blue eyes indicated a frank and generous disposition slightly inclining in acknowledgment of the respect with which the crowd made way for him to pass he advanced towards the magistrate who instantly recognised him as an acquaintance at the same moment esther started with surprise and murmured the name of lord ellingham to the astonishment of all present tom rain perhaps excepted the nobleman shook esther kindly by the hand saying in the name of heaven mr medina what unfortunate or rather ridiculous mistake has brought you hither 
Sir Walter Ferguson immediately directed the clerk to read over the depositions. What? exclaimed Lord Ellingham, who had scarcely been able to restrain his indignation during the recital of the previous proceedings. The daughter of a respectable and wealthy gentleman to be placed in such a position as this? But in a moment I will make her innocence apparent. At the very time when this robbery was alleged to have taken place, at the hour when the female for whom this young lady has evidently been mistaken called upon the prosecutor, Mr. Medina was not within six miles of Arundel Street. These words produced in the court a sensation which was the more lively because they seemed to corroborate the prisoner's own defence, a defence which Lord Anningham had not heard. Mr. Gordon, the prosecutor, looked astounded, and yet not altogether grieved at the prospect of the prisoner's discharge. Mr. Medina, continued Lord Anningham, has only recently arrived in London, having retired from an extensive commercial business which he long carried on at Liverpool. He has become my tenant for a house and small estate situated at a distance of about seven miles from the metropolis. And on the 31st of October, I accompanied him and his daughter, the lady now present, on a visit to the property thus leased. We left London in my own carriage at about two o'clock on the day named, and it was between ten and eleven at night when we returned. During that interval of several hours, Mr. Medina never quitted her father and myself. A murmur of satisfaction arose on the part of the spectators, but it was almost immediately interrupted by the entrance of an elderly and venerable-looking man, whose countenance, of that caste which ever characterizes the sons of the scattered tribe, had once been strikingly handsome. Though not deficient in an expression of generosity, it nevertheless exhibited great firmness of disposition, and his keen black eyes denoted a resolute, unbending, and determined soul. He was upwards of fifty-five years of age, and was plainly, though neatly, dressed. Advancing into the body of the court, he cast a rapid glance around. "'My father!' exclaimed Esther, and springing forward she threw herself into her parent's arm. He held her tenderly for a few moments, then gently disengaging himself from her embrace, he murmured in her ear, Oh, Esther, Esther, I can understand it all. You have brought this upon yourself. But these words were heard only by Lord Ellingham, who advanced to shake hands with the Jew. That reproach appeared for the moment to be singular and altogether misplaced, as it was impossible that Esther could have perpetrated the crime imputed to her. But the nobleman had not leisure to reflect upon it, for Mr. de Medina now perceived him and accepted the outstretched hand. I was accidentally passing by the court, said the Jew, and hearing my own name mentioned by some loungers outside, paused to listen. Their conversation induced me to make inquiries, and I learnt all the particulars of this charge. And some unknown friend of Mr. Medina sent me a hasty note, conveying the unpleasant intelligence, answered Lord Ellingham. But I believe that I have fully convinced his worship of your daughter's innocence. These last words were uttered in a louder tone than the former part of the observation, and were evidently addressed to the magistrate. For my part, said Mr. Gordon, 
I am perfectly satisfied that there is a grievous misunderstanding in this matter. Miss de Medina is evidently unconnected with it. And yet, he added, as his eyes dwelt upon her countenance, never was resemblance so striking. However, I am well pleased to think that Miss de Medina is not the person by whom I was plundered, and I am most sincerely implore her pardon for the inconvenience, nay, the ignominy to which she has been subjected. Esther turned an appealing glance towards her father, as if to remind him of some duty which he ought to perform, or to convey some silent prayer which he could well understand. But he affected not to notice that rapid but profoundly significant glance. The magistrate then declared that the young lady was discharged without the slightest stain upon her character. Hastily drawing down her thick black veil, Esther de Medina bowed deferentially to the bench and passed out of the office, leaning on her father's arm and accompanied by the Earl of Ellingham. Tom Rain followed her with his eyes until the door closed behind her. For a few moments he remained wrapped up in a deep reverie. Then, heaving a profound sigh, he also took his departure. End of section four. Recording by Gray Clayton.